Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. As always, it is great to be with you another evening, another Monday evening, where we have the opportunity to kickstart another week, a week that will have us continuing to go through the book of Revelation. We will be going through chapter 12, which will have us considering uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and in particular this evening, the Virgin of Guadalupe. But before we jump into Revelation chapter 12, I did just want to continue to extend a very warm thank you to all of you out there who are taking time out of your very busy schedules to reflect with me for 27, 28 minutes on just not the book of Revelation, but really all things concerning Christianity and Catholicism, huh? I know as I receive your questions about the book of Revelation, I also receive and continue to receive a number of your questions regarding the Christian and Catholic faith. And this is important to me because it tells me that you are just not listening to this radio program, but critically reflecting into the subject matter we are talking about. Now, among other questions, a question I received this past week, and I thought it was, as general as it was, a very good question. And the question was posed like this, Joe, for all of the very rich subject matter in the book of Revelation, does the rich imagery and symbolism dilute the message, the Christian message of love? And I thought, now that's a good question, because what can happen when you read a book like this is you can kind of forget about that most fundamental and foundational truth that God is love, unless, unless, right, that we understand sacred scripture is inspired by love itself, right? Let us remember that sacred scripture is written by human authors, yes, but also under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit? But the love shared between the Father and the Son. Remember, God is love. The Trinity is love given, love received, and love shared. And that love shared, we know, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this love is what inspires the written text. So when the question is posed, does the imagery and the symbolism and the diabolical nature of this book take away from the message of love? No. What the Holy Spirit wants us to see is that this book is about love. Remember what we have talked about from night one, that the book of Revelation, as it really comes to us from one chapter to the next, is about liturgy, right? Liturgy. Why in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7 do we hear about the marriage supper of the Lamb? Because everywhere else we are made to see that this book is about liturgy. So why do I talk about that? Well, my friends, if the liturgy and the Eucharist is about Christ's total self-gift, the fullness of love, then no, it doesn't convolute it, but I would argue that ultimately it adds to it. When you think about love, yes, you think about the gift of self, and you think about what it means to donate yourself to other. Truly, truly, what it means to donate your flesh. But is not love always caught up in something so beautiful, something so extraordinary, something so elaborate, that yeah, 
it is right to dress it up from time to time. Not that you lose what is foundational in it insofar as the gift of self goes. No, here I am made to think about weddings, anniversaries, any special get-together. What do you do? Well, wherever that special get-together is going on, you dress that place up, right? You let everyone else know that this occasion is very special. Well, that's what the church does with the Mass, okay? It lets the world know that what is going on here right now is very special. In a way, we can say it illuminates love. It, it elevates love. It reminds us that love is to ascend up, right, in the gift of self and in the gift of offering. So yeah, on one hand, I can get why one might think that all of these images and symbols and so on and so forth can leave your head spinning. But when you take a step back and you study this book for what it is, no, it illuminates. And let us remember something else, that every time we read sacred scripture, we are going deeper into our courtship with God. So it is right that we roll up our sleeves and study this great book, the book of Revelation, so as to get to know God better. <laughs> and this is why we spend the time we do reflecting into the things we do, because in the end, my hope and we call upon the grace of God to do so, is that we might get to know God better, that we no longer see this as a cryptogram we can't figure out, but as words that are inspired by the God who is love, and as he reveals his love through these words, we might fall deeper in love with him. Okay, all of that being said, let us jump back into Revelation, Revelation chapter 12. Okay, so let me go ahead and start with Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, the last verse of chapter 11, to then read the first few verses of chapter 12. And make note, my friends, that as I set it up at the end of last week, we are going to take time out to reflect upon Mary as she comes to us in these verses. This evening is going to be about the Virgin of Guadalupe, and you'll know why in a bit. And then tomorrow, for sure, we will reflect into more of the verses themselves and how we might better understand these verses. Okay, chapter 11, verse 19. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple, and there were flashes of lightning, loud noises, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child, and she cried out in her pangs of birth in anguish for delivery. Okay, let us just stop right there. Now, we know that the woman of Revelation 12 is both an individual person and a collective symbol. She is Mary, the mother of the Messiah, and the spiritual mother of his disciples. But yes, she also represents, that is, the woman, the faithful of Israel, crying out for the Messiah, as well as the church, huh? Attacked by the devil for witnessing to Jesus. Certainly, the depiction of the woman is rich in biblical symbolism. And so, what can we say about the woman? As I just noted, we are going to talk in great detail about these verses over the next few days. But for this evening, tonight, what I wanted to do was to take this opportunity and talk about Our Lady of Guadalupe, the Virgin uh, of Guadalupe. I mean, these verses 
a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, speak to what and brings attention to what but the Virgin of Guadalupe. Why? Well, because as many of us know, this is the image where Mary is literally clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet. Now, before we go any further and talk about this, we should first say a few things about apparitions, especially for those who might not be as familiar with them. Throughout the centuries, Mary has reportedly appeared in various places around the world. Now, while some of these reports have been false and can be chalked up to maybe we can say one's overzealous behavior, others have been approved by the church for their authentic fruit and message that is congruent with the gospel, right? Now, among the many approved apparition sites where Mary appears to a select chosen person, the one that stands by itself in history for its transformation and impact upon a culture is that of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And again, for those of you who might not be as familiar with Our Lady of Guadalupe, we ought to rekindle uh, the story a little bit, and then we'll get into the details and why it's necessary that we take out a whole episode and a whole evening to reflect with the significance of this message. So it was on, what, December 9th, 1531, when one Juan Diego was on his way to attend morning mass that he heard birds break into song as the story is told. Immediately, the recent Christian convert Juan Diego rushed to see where the noise was coming from, and upon arriving at the top of what was then Tepeyac Hill, he beheld a woman who was clothed with the sun and adorned in a mantle of stars. The woman announced herself as Mother of the Most High. She requested that the local bishop build a temple in her honor. The humble Juan Diego took the request to one Bishop Juan Zumaraga. And after listening to Juan Diego's appeal on behalf of the Virgin, the bishop had a request of his own. He requested that the heavenly woman perform a sign for confirmation. And so it was, my friends, on December 12th, just three days later, Juan Diego returned to Tepeyac Hill, and it was then that this virgin of light asked Juan Diego to take his tilma, gather up the roses that were in bloom, and take them to the bishop. Of course, the miracle of the roses in bloom in the dead of winter would be a sign of something extraordinary, at least in the mind of Juan Diego, right? But upon Juan Diego's return to the bishop, he opened up his, his poncho-like garment and the roses fell to the ground. But my dear friends, it was not the roses that grabbed the attention of one Bishop Zumaraga and his associates. It was the tilma itself. You see, the bishop and his associates were brought to their knees with a picture that was embedded into the tilma, an image of a woman clothed in light with the moon under her feet. And as the story goes, it was then that Bishop Zumaraga vowed to adhere to the request of the Virgin to build a new temple in her honor. And for those of you who are familiar with this story, and if you're tuning in to this podcast in Mexico, you have probably been to this great temple, right? Where the tilma still resides. Now, I want to pause and reflect upon something. I have said that God meets us how he makes us and walks with us as he is, right? Well, Mary does the same insofar as Jesus sends her. Consider 
the details from which the mantle is like a canvas where we are made to read the richness behind Mary's grasp of Juan Diego's indigenous culture. For those of you who might be in your home and you have an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe in your home, maybe pulled over and look at that image. If not, just listen to what this image communicates. First, the cincture around her waist was an Aztec sign of pregnancy. So Mary was bringing with her the birth of new life in her son. This is pretty clear in the image, huh? The sun, moon, and stars were all deities of the ancient Aztecs. So Mary was announcing herself as the queen of the hosts of heaven and more powerful than the pagan deities. Not that she herself, of course, is a deity. Catholics don't treat Mary as a god, but one who is the mother of God. How about Tepeyac Hill? Well, Tepeyac Hill was the location of the ancient feminine goddess. Mary arrives on that same hill as the revelation of true feminine genius. Mary is found also crushing the serpent in the image. This is significant because the serpent was a prominent divinity for the Aztecs. Again, God sends this virgin to the Aztec people, and in so doing, he walks with them exactly where they are at. How about some of the recent science that has come out? As recent science has claimed that the stars of her mantle are of the constellation Virgo, most astonishingly, they appeared positioned as the constellation would have appeared on the date of December 12th, 1531. Mary appears as the true virgin of the stars. Fascinating. You know, it has been reported that within a time frame of 10 years, over 9 million Aztecs had converted to the new Christian faith. Mary went into the heart of a culture with the purpose of bringing the Indian people to a deeper understanding of the divine by transforming their understanding of the divine. She took the images and signs that represented their cult and gave them a new cult, a new worship. Mindful that the word cult simply means worship, not to be confused with some of the occult out there, right? So Our Lady of Guadalupe made man new, and in turn, the culture of Tenochtitlan, that is the place where she appeared, was transformed in divine truth. One of the more poignant truths regarding the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe is the fact that it is the only artwork, if you will, that actually and literally comes from the finger of God. Certainly, there have been many pieces that have been inspired through the centuries, but nothing like this. Literally, from the creative genius of the mind and heart of God. Researchers tell us that the tilma was woven from cactus fiber. Is it not fitting that God would pick something so simple as a tilma made from cactus fiber to reveal his own masterpiece, the Virgin of Guadalupe, the Virgin who brought about a wholesale change of Central American worship itself. Now, in this vein of thinking, I wanted to consider something, words from John Paul II, as he was reflecting upon the canonization of Juan Diego, he said this, But to return to Guadalupe, in 2002, I was privileged to celebrate the canonization of Juan Diego in this shrine. It was a wonderful opportunity 
to offer thanks to God. Juan Diego, having embraced Christianity without surrendering his indigenous identity, discovered the profound truth about the new humanity in which all are called to be children of God in Christ. John Paul II goes on, I bless you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to mere children. And in this mystery, Mary had a particular role. So why do I talk about this? Well, my dear friends, the call to conversion is central to what it means to live a Christian life. Yet what does it mean to say that a culture itself is called to conversion? This is a necessary question when you reflect into what took place in today's Mexico City. I mean, did you not hear what I just said? Over 9 million Aztecs had converted to this new Christian faith over a period of 10 years. How did that take place? We can put it this way. Culture is not definitive. That is to say, it cannot direct itself independent of people, right? But it takes on the character of those who live in a community and give it life. So conversion begins with individual people and through the lives of these individuals, what takes place? But a transformation of culture, whether it is in the form of personal prayer, small or great acts of charitable service, the daily self-renunciations and sacrifices in our family lives, or the simple act of integrity and competence in our work. We are called to be mediators between God and society. In this way, culture is not only transformed, but converted. Emeritus Benedict XVI, as then Cardinal Ratzinger, in his work, Co-Workers of the Truth, said this, those who would be Christian must be transformed ever again. Our natural disposition, indeed, finds us always ready to assert ourselves, to pay like with like, or to put ourselves at the center. Those who want to find God need again and again that inner conversion, that new direction, Ratzinger says. He continues, Yet the truth is that what is invisible is greater and much more valuable than anything that is visible. One single soul is worth more than the entire visible universe. Isn't that powerful? Metanoia, he says, that Greek word, what does it mean? Change your attitude so that God may dwell in you and through you in the world. Mm. Beautiful. One cannot help but think of the change in Juan Diego's life following the apparitions and how he continued to grow in Christian practice and understanding, dedicating himself to a life of service and never neglecting the opportunity to share the Virgin's message with others. It is always important to keep this in mind, that this change has a source. When we are led to him, Christ not only changes our lives, but he also presents the possibility of positively changing the lives of others. We talk about Juan Diego here. Why? He didn't become a saint because he saw Mary. No. He became a saint because he adhered to the message of the gospel and he understood that God is love and that he was called to share in this love in both word and deed. So, through God's love for us, we are given the possibility of living out those two great commandments of loving God and loving our neighbor. Someone once said to Mother Teresa, 
that not for a million dollars would he touch a leper. (laughs) And I love Mother Teresa's response. St. Mother Teresa, neither would I. If it were a case of money, I would not even do it for two million. On the other hand, I do it gladly for love of God. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) I love that. And brothers and sisters, this is true conversion of the heart. Adhering to God in such a love that all else must fall beneath that love, becoming an expression of that love. Some would call Mother Teresa unreasonable for being willing to touch a leper for the love of God, that is, to touch a leper in faith. But reason itself demands an enormous amount of trust, does it not? The fundamental trust that what has been is an indicator of what will be, that there is some order and logic to the world. It is possible, and even easy, we could say, to to do works of charity lovelessly. Love cannot be seen in the way that actions can be. That is why understanding a person's love requires what? Faith. That is why faith must also be a gift, a gift from God. Faith is the gift that enables us to see and to trust his love. This also shows the conversion of the heart in its most concrete everyday expression, does it not? In Christ, building up a civilization of love is not an abstract good or or a hypothetical possibility. It is something that is already happening around us. It is concrete, and moreover, it is because it is personal. It is found in the individual witness offered by all people who, who have truly been touched by God and by converting to Christ, reality, the reality of the man who walks in faith can reach its full potential. Does that make sense out there? (laughs) Does that make sense? If we ourselves live close to Christ, we can bring Christ closer to other people. Personal witness is indispensable. Emeritus Benedict XVI once said, only through men who have been touched by God can God come near to men. Think about that. Think about those words. Only through men who have been touched by God can God come near to men. And certainly, in the light of our discussion on the Virgin of Guadalupe, we could also say that through devotion to Mary, people can have a direct experience of Christianity as the religion of trust, as the religion of certainty. The great event of Guadalupe made this clear, huh? Before the miracle of Our Lady's appearances, human efforts had failed. Christianity appeared to be neither a religion of trust nor of certainty. Through Our Lady of Guadalupe, suddenly trust was possible. Certainly within reach. The entire story of Guadalupe is one of transformation from a continent of of blood and human sacrifice to a continent where the mother who watched her son pierced granted a reprieve to its inhabitants. It is the story of a barren hillside surprisingly covered in flowers, of a coarse tilma imprinted with the beautiful image not made by human hands, of a bishop's heart softened, and of the beginning of millions of conversions, each of which represented an immortal victory for the civilization of love. And so, brothers and sisters, it falls to us, does it not? To continue this sequence of conversion and through our conversion of self to become a sign 
that can bring conversion to those around us by our witness. My dear friends, Mary brings about the presence of her son, and she does so in a spirit of lowliness and surrender. She is that luminous star that draws us into the will of the Father by reminding us to, what did she say in John chapter 2, verse 10? Do whatever he tells you. Incidentally, the last words of Mary recorded in sacred scripture. You know, every time I reflect into Mary, I am made to think about something. There is a very important but often overlooked point on the relationship between Jesus and Mary. I have heard it said by many that what individuals say during their closing hours of life reveals what is closest to their heart. As it often happens, those people who know death is on the horizon often do what but prepare letters, speeches, or words of wisdom for those closest to them. Certainly, this makes sense, huh? So what of God's death? Here, the eternal mind contemplates what he deems to be his greatest treasure, the humble person of Mary of Nazareth. Essentially, our Lord wishes to use the most bewildering event in human history, an event that has drawn the attention of writers, poets, and artists like none other in history, to give us what? His mother as our own. Simply put, God knows that we are looking, right? And so he urges us to pay close attention to what he's about to say. And what are those words that we read in John chapter 19, verses 26 to 27? Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, behold your mother. And like John, we too are called to take her into our heart, into our home. Think of it. God becomes a son the son grows up to be a man. The mother of the son watches the God-man die on the cross. And the God of history, who has ransomed himself for many, now gives every man from the crucifixion onward a mother to better contemplate the meaning of the son who is God. Most fascinating, is it not? So again, we pause here this evening to reflect upon the Virgin of Guadalupe as one cannot help but think of the Virgin of Guadalupe with these opening verses of chapter 12. And we only begin our discussion because what we'll talk about tomorrow and the next day is the very rich Marian imagery that is caught up in these opening verses. Imagery that I hope will help all of us better understand Mary. Again, not as some deity, but as an intercessor, as one who shares in the one mediation between God and man in Jesus Christ. A unique participation indeed she shares. With that, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.